thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org. Hello again, I'm Chuck Quinley, and welcome back to Thread, this time episode 32. A lot's been happening in my world lately. I've been, just got back from a week in Myanmar, and I never thought I'd say it, but I am extremely excited about what I'm seeing in Myanmar. That used to be such a place of desperation and lack of hope, but... There's actually some things stirring up there. They're in the baby stages of development and uh, coming out, but uh, some beautiful things are going on. And uh, so I just hope the Lord will push some people in that direction because that field needs a lot of workers. Um, And here in Thailand, where I live, that's where the demonstrations have been taking place. So nations kind of uh, in anticipation and in grieving also because we we have had a lot of loss of life Uh, about 80 people have lost their lives so far I live in the far north which is usually way away from all the disturbances that might happen in Bangkok because we're about 12 hours away but in this case uh, this is actually the region that has the most uh, sort of the the farm belt and uh, rural country folk are sort of the heartbeat of this new movement. So there is a little potential for the disturbances to spread up here in the north. But we'll deal with it as it comes. Um, tomorrow, oh, first a technical note. I have decided to just open my windows. Uh, I've been trying to be all soundproofy, and then I thought, well, If I was listening, I wouldn't care if I heard a little bit of noise outside. It's kind of like the sound of real life. So got my windows open, so you'll probably hear birds singing, and uh, who knows what might happen outside my door here. I'm on a kind of dead-end street, but it's still a street in northern Thailand. Tomorrow is my birthday, and this is a really important thread because it's uh, a birthday is a good time to ponder the uh, things that Jesus covers in Mark chapter 9, verses 42 through 50. So I think uh, all of us are going to get a really good reminder uh, from the Lord today as we evaluate where our life is and uh, as we think about the big picture. So if you don't have a Bible, run and get one. Come right back. Okay, we're in Mark chapter 9, verses 42 and following. Um, And just to get a little background on it again, we've turned the hinge in this book, and Jesus has now moved to his conclusion. He is lining himself up for a journey to Jerusalem. He is starting to drill into his followers the need for them to toughen up mentally and to prepare themselves for what's about to happen to him. And he is pulling no punches. He's not trying to save their feelings anymore. If there's something he needs to say to them, he is saying it. And uh, so there's some very fertile teaching here, uh, real stuff going on. In uh, the verses just before this, he was discussing 
uh, an incident that John raised with him where they were forbidding a sincere brother from doing his ministry. So we got onto the subject of hindering the spiritual progress of other people uh, and what a serious matter it is. And Jesus tells him, you know, don't do that. You know, don't be like that. Uh, don't ever be involved in, in hindering somebody who's enthused about following God and, and doing, you know, ministry and sacrifice for the Lord and, and stepping out in faith. And, you know, it's really easy for people to deflate your balloon. You feel like God told you to do something and it's a little bit risky and you speak it out, you know, and, uh, you know, there's always going to be somebody who will try to take the wind out of yourself. Well, you know, hold on now. Let's think about this. Be practical. And he's telling them, uh, actually, in their case, they did worse than that. They said, you may not do these things. Uh, You're not one of us. So Jesus starts on that subject in verse 38. He says, don't be like that. Don't be, um, you need to encourage the faith of other people. You need to encourage the obedience that they want to show to God. Encourage them. Don't discourage them. Now, while he's on the subject, though, the subject of interfering with others as they live out their faith, he drills down a little deeper and he says, but let's go to the next level and talk about actually bringing temptation into someone's life. You're, you've gone past uh, discouraging their faith and interfering with them, you know, as they want to get, and sometimes a family will do this. You know, somebody gets all serious about their spiritual walk and it starts to threaten other people in the family. And so, all of a sudden, they start mocking them and you know, calling them preacher man or whatever. Uh, but the, it, you can feel the resistance. It may come from your wife or your husband. They don't want you getting all holy on them. And now he says, okay, let's talk about the next level of this. Where you, Once you start down that road, it's easy to just keep going because it's an evil road. He says, let's talk now about not just interfering, but let's talk about bringing temptation into the life of another person, you know, actively joining the ranks of Satan and his workers to say, I will also try to bring sin into people's lives. And Jesus said, let's talk about this. I want you to understand how serious a matter this is. Verse 42, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Okay? Uh, let's unpack that because we need to be real careful about our understanding of these words. The first word I see of note is causes. You know, so now we're talking about intentionality. It is your intention, if you are this person he's describing, it is your intention to lead another person to do evil. You want to cause them to stumble from the race, from their journey with God. You want to trip them and make them fall down by sinning. Um, And he says it would, well, let's talk about who you're doing it to. So first, cause means this is intentional. Second one, he calls them the little ones who believe in me. I, I mean, certainly children, but I think he's beyond children. He's talking about those who are sincere, childlike followers of Christ. They are innocent. They're naive. You know, they got stars in their eyes. They really want, they're idealistic. 
as they've entered, you know, this kingdom way and God's speaking to them and they want to obey the Lord and, you know, they're open, they're vulnerable. And he says, if you would, if you could, if you'd be so diabolical as to look at someone like that and allow the evil to rise up in a, in a person's heart and to decide to stumble that person. Now, this is the most abused word probably in church life. Uh, somebody might have a ponytail, a man might have a ponytail in church, and someone says, brother, that stumbles me. No, it doesn't. It offends you. Uh, it might be different from your style, and you don't like it, but that's not this word. Uh, when Jesus talks about stumbling another person, he does not mean that something about your style is different from the way they think style should be. He is talking about actively um, putting a person away from God. They are they have lost their walk with Christ. They've stumbled. You know, they they were walking with the Lord and now they're not walking with the Lord because they fell down out of this. So this is a lot more serious than some minor thing. They're not just upset. They're not just bothered. Uh, they have fallen down. So he's describing a person who's acting as an agent of sin to intercept spiritual babies with the intent of blocking their progress and actually causing them to break off from following Christ, you know, bringing temptation into their life, putting it right in front of them, trying to make them stop their journey young, you know, at a young age, in the early steps of walking with the Lord, and you're going to cause them to sin. He says, listen, if that's, your, if that's where you're headed in life, it would be better for you to die young, to die miserably, um, than to do that. It would, your, your, your end in the, in the final judgment of your life, it would be better for you if you had a stone hung around, a millstone, you know, that's heavy. It's what they used in the, to grind their wheat. It would be better if a millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown out into the sea. I mean, that'd be, what a horrible way to die. But he says that's a better ending of your life than what it's going to be when you face the Lord in the judgment. Now he turns to the subject of that final judgment. And someone said the judgment is the most sobering thought I know. He's talked about now causing others to sin. Now he talks about causing yourself to sin. Causing yourself to sin. If your hand, sorry, the neighborhood dogs are coming up there. One of that hound that's baying in the background is actually our dog. The fattest beagle. <laughs> the fattest beagle that the guy here said he has ever seen the vet. Anyway, back to our scriptures. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands and go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. So while he's discussing sin, and its enticing power, its destructive power in the lives of other people. Now he brings it home, and I really think he's working in reverse. 
with his teaching because he's getting it down now to the level that we really need to deal with it. Very few of us, hopefully, are ever going to uh, apply our skills and energies to destroying the faith of other people. That's a level of evil that I'm not saying we can't get there, but there are people there aren't as many people in that place as in the place he's going to talk about right now where that we're talking about sin's power in our own life and i told you this was my birthday and so that's why this is a really important subject to me because i have i have wrestled against sin all my life and it is my ambition to end this race successfully i don't want to uh I want to stand before the Lord with my hands clean. I want to have integrity all of my life. Besides that, I want my children to know that I died with integrity. I want everyone who's heard me talk to them or has watched my life, I want them to to know in the end that I really was the man I wanted to be. You know, I I controlled and it's not without battle, you know, because sin is in me. I can't get it to not be in me, and it it works against me, and it is trying to pull me into its power. It's enticing. It's It gives you ideas and temptations. and These things come on us, and now it's where he's talking about. He says, look, there's three, sort of three levels of the way we live our life. And the first one, he says, your hand, your doing, uh, your work, your activities, you know, your, your actions. If, you're, if your job, if the things that you do, if the actions that you initiate cause you to sin, because now he's off the subject of hurting others, then he says, cut it off, cut off your hand. Now, he's speaking metaphorically. He's the same Jesus that said about camels going through the eye of a needle and things like that. So we need to take this where it is because he will also tell us that sin comes from the heart. Uh, it's, you know, There's not sin in your hand, that if you'd cut off your hand, you wouldn't have sin. One of the early church fathers, Origen, actually emasculated himself, uh, hoping to get rid of his his lust, taking this verse, you know, absolutely seriously. Uh, but the point of the verse is, is clear. If the things that you do, if your job is leading you to sin, quit your job. If the kind of work that you do leads you to evil, quit your work, cut it off, deal radically with sin in your life and avoid the fire that shall never be quenched. Hell is real. It is horrible beyond imagination, and it must be avoided at any cost. Don't let anything distract you from that truth. In the end, uh, we're preparing for a judgment, and we have to do whatever we have to do to uh, avoid eternity separated from God. Uh, Then he goes to verse 45. He says, and if your foot is causing you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and be cast into hell. And he repeats the refrain, the fire that shall never be quenched, the worm that does not die. 
uh, foot the direction of your life, your activities, your habits, your goings. If the places that your feet carry you lead you to sin, stop going to those places. Cut it off. If your ability to travel, if the movement in your life is a movement, you know, and I've known some husbands and their their job involved travel and travel involved prostitutes and they hated themselves for it and they felt bad for it. You have to quit your job. And that's, you know, that's what those brothers that have been successful at it, they just had to say, it's time to cut off this foot. You know, I can't just keep doing this and saying, oh, you know, this is bad. And then eventually you'll stop saying it and stop feeling it. Uh, Jesus says, avoid hell at any cost. Get your life ready. Get yourself cleaned up. Uh, verse 47, if your eye, same, same wording, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better to go to heaven with one eye, uh, the kingdom of God with one eye, than to have two eyes and be cast into hell fire. And again, the refrain, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Your eye. So he's talked about our hand. He's talked about our foot and our eye, our vision. You know, if your vision is materialistic, if your vision is power hungry, if something about your vision leads you astray, get rid of that vision. If your goals lead you to sin, drop your goals. If your focus, if you're wanting, if you're looking, if the thing that you are, you know, scanning the world to see, the big uh, dream for your life, the goal, the thing that leads you ahead, if that thing is leading you also away from God and into sin. He says, get rid of your vision, get rid of your goal, get rid of your ambition, whatever this thing is that is captivating you, get rid of it. Uh, you know, We're now into the fourth category of Christ's teaching about the kingdom of God, and that is the end realities. Now, Jesus did not just teach the need to be good for goodness sake, and uh, you know that spirituality is social and and all the different things that Jesus will say. He's not just a teacher of kindness and mercy. He's a teacher of the judgment to come. He, his teaching is built on the concept that there is a judgment day. We are all going to end up in a judgment day, and we must prepare ourselves. We would fail the judgment because we're already guilty, and that's where his blood sacrifice is going to help us. You know, he will, by grace, give us forgiveness for our sin. But we cannot just continue in sin. If you're going to be a disciple, that's what it takes. You've got to break off your life of sin. There's an end reality, and the obedient will enjoy Jehovah's shalom, his eternal blessing. They will be rewarded for everything that they have sacrificed. They will be comforted. They will have fellowship with him. Scripture says even he will serve us in this great meal. There'll be a tenderness, a wiping away. God himself, the Bible says, will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Every grief we've ever had will go away. There is a heaven coming. There is an eternal rightness, a reward. Of everything will be fixed. But there's also, for those who practice sin, severe eternal judgment and we have to do whatever we must to avoid it now in verse 49 jesus lets us know 
temptation is inevitable. He says, everyone, everyone will be seasoned with fire. These testings and trials are coming on us. Every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. You know, it's coming. It's, it's already ordained that you and I will be tempted and tested at certain moments. Sometimes your lowest moment, that's when it's coming, but it is coming, and we need to be aware of that and, and be strong for it. Then he says, talking about us being the influential ingredient in the world, salt is a good thing. But if the salt, and that's us because he said you are the salt of the earth, if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? You know, if we lose our integrity, if we lose our distinctiveness, if we lose the, the recognition from other people that there is a, an absence of sin, at least in the levels that they experience it every day in their own life, that we, something's broken that from us, and we're actually living a holier life, a more pure life, and you know, and at least in a, a comparative way to them, they have to see a difference in us. If if we divorce the same, we cheat, we lie, we get drunk, we do every carousing thing that they do. What in the world is a Christian? If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we have to discipline our own lives. Paul said, "I beat myself." And, and discipline my life like an athlete, lest having preached to others, I myself become a castaway. So he knew about the power of temptation in his own life, even as the greatest you know, church leader in, in the early days. Look at the last word. Jesus turns to his followers who are about to go into their own testing, and he says, have salt in yourself. In other words, you are in charge of your own quality. The quality of your heart's purity is up to you. You have salt in yourselves. Number two, and you have peace with one another. I am responsible to live in peace, and I am responsible to make peace. It's on me. I have the ability. I have the power. He's giving me the power. That sin will no longer be my master, but it's time for me to to rise up and make sure that that's how I'm living you know, that I just don't aimlessly go along with everything and feel bad for what I do, but take charge of my life. Let me turn you to one last scripture. Psalms 130, verses 1 through 4. David writes, Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. So I will wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word, I do hope. My precious brothers and sisters, may the Lord give us all victory in our battle against sin as we do whatever it takes to keep our hands clean and our heart pure and our life an example to others that we can create a thirst in them for what Jesus has come to give us. If you'd like to write me directly, my email is chuck at quinley.com. That's all for now. See you next time on Thread. Thread, a singular thought expanded upon. Thread is the podcast of the Emerge Network. 
For more information, log on to EmergeNetwork.org.